0: Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host.
1: Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Salantano, our business editor, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers and investors. The 2023 volume 2 issue is in production now and will be available shortly. An annual subscription includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com intelligence. So Mr. John, you're gonna tell us about IHS Towers, right?
0: Yes, the uh, uh, IHS Towers, which is an operating, uh, the operating company of London-based IHS Holding Limited, uh, reported its uh, first quarter 2023 results and um you know a very positive outcome all its financial metrics revenues adjusted EBITDA free cash flow capital expenditure were all up uh, at double digit rates uh compared to the year uh the same quarter a year ago uh, the company ended with um, thirty nine a little over thirty nine thousand total towers across its uh, 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 operations in 11 countries on three continents. Uh, Nigeria is its uh, largest market with uh, um, over 16,000 towers or about 43% of the total. And then Sub-Saharan Africa uh, in which uh, the company operates in um, uh, five markets uh, accounted for another uh, uh, 14,000 towers. So Africa makes up about 78% of its portfolio. It does operate in Latin America, it has uh, over 7000 towers, uh, mainly in Brazil, but also some in Colombia and Peru and then uh, in the Middle East, it has uh, uh, over 1500 towers in Kuwait and a pending partnership in Egypt. So, you know, overall, on a year to year basis, the portfolio was up nearly 6000 towers and that was um, um, through a combination of new builds and uh, big acquisitions they made in Brazil and South Africa in 2022, that we reported on. Um, you know, as revenues are up uh, due to a couple of components, one is uh, uh, lease amendments were up significantly year over year, um, about 16%, and um, uh, it added new tenants. Uh, now it now has uh, over fifty-eight thousand tenants on those thirty-nine thousand towers, giving it a tenant-to-tower ratio of uh, one point four nine, which is pretty consistent year to year for them. But its revenues were driven by a couple of uh, components. One is um, um, obviously the leasing activity was uh, was up uh, substantially. But then, you know, its its lease escalators, uh, unlike the uh, tower companies in North America, which generally operate with fixed escalators annual escalators that range two and a half, three 3%, something like that. Typically in, in international markets, the escalators are tied to local inflation rates. And with that metric being up, uh, then the tower company is able to pass along those additional costs to the tenant and, and benefit from it um, so that, um, you know, Uh, high inflation rates and and, uh, favorable currency exchanges contributed to its its revenues. As well, uh, tower companies operating in international markets are able to pass through certain expenses, and in this case um, uh, IHS passes through its energy costs related to diesel fuel for backup generators to the tenants. So that again contributed to its revenue growth. Uh, It upped its guidance for um, Okay, it's capex guidance for full year um, uh, 23. Um, uh, looking to spend about uh, 2.2 billion uh, at the midpoint, and um, uh, uh, sorry, that was the revenue of 2.2 billion. It will it it has increased its capex budget to six 630 million, um, and uh, that includes a build a suit program of, of about 1,200 towers for the year about. 150 sites in Nigeria and about 750 towers in Brazil, which is about three times what they did uh, in 2022. So an interesting company. We we continue to follow it. It represents, I think, uh, uh, some of the bright spots in international the, the international tower business, and um, it's uh, it's it's showing some pretty good results and uh, expects to continue for the balance of the year. The other story we reported on is. Uh, <clears throat> um, our friends at Digital Bridge are, are in competition with uh, Brookfield uh, in bidding for um, uh, in in a bid to buy Compass Data Centers. Um, the deal, uh, as Reuters reported, is valued at about five and a half billion dollars. Uh, custom uh, Compass Data Centers, uh, based in Dallas, uh, provides custom uh, data center designs for both core and edge applications that serve you know, hyperscalers, uh, cloud providers, enterprise customers, either on a dedicated basis or a hybrid co-location basis. The company has uh, 17 data centers, uh, uh, data center campuses in the U.S. and internationally in Canada and Italy and Israel, and has a total available capacity of 714 megawatts. So it's um, it's got a lot of capacity in these markets and uh, and uh, is signing up uh um, uh, key customers as 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 it progresses uh, actually has three sites that are fully leased, and another three that are, are customer-owned that are managed by the company. Um, the um, you know the the, the the data center deals have been attractive to investors for uh, for some time, and as we heard Mr. Ganzi say in his keynote address at ConnectX, he sees uh, artificial intelligence as driving. Um, a lot of data capacity needs in the near future, um, much more than what we're getting from you know our, our mobile data flows, which are up as well. But um, and and so this is driving the interest on the part of infrastructure investors like Brookfield uh, and Digital Bridge to to consider uh, data center acquisitions. So. Um, you know, Brookfield already has investments in data centers. Their portfolio is about 50 data centers with about 230 megawatts of capacity. Uh, they recently back in April, actually, they, they made an acquisition in Germany or in Europe, uh, call of, uh, uh, the, the data 4 group. And, um, that has, uh, operations in France, Italy, uh, Spain, Poland, and Germany, um, with about 100 megawatts of capacity in place and another plan to add uh, 400 uh, more uh, megawatts. So, um, uh, you know, and Digital Bridge itself has uh, indicated it's willing to sell off a part of its stake in the advantage stabilized data centers ostensibly to raise money uh, to make more investments. So um, uh, we're keeping an eye on this deal. It's not expected to close uh, at least for another month. certainly by the uh, mid, mid mid year sometime um, but I, I think it just is telling in that uh the interest that the infrastructure investors have in, in the data center space and uh and uh, we'll continue to watch this one too john this, you have
1: a question
0: john is this
2: the first time that you can remember where uh it's uh would you call this a bidding war that that uh that uh Vertical uh, Digital Bridge has really gotten into uh, a situation where they're they're uh, publicly competing with someone. It seems to me like I don't think I've heard that much about that. Uh, is this sort of an aberration
0: for them? No, I don't think so. I mean, we if you go back last year when they uh, they bid for GD GD Towers from Deutsche Telekom, they were in competition with KKR and. uh a couple other investor groups, so it's it's not unusual. Um, you know, a lot of these deals are tend to be below the radar because they, either they're they're um, the companies they're going after or are privately held, or there's some. You know, we don't normally hear about it until after it's done. But something like this, where there there are two big public investor groups uh, bidding for um, uh, an operator. That, you know, pretty sizable operator in terms of the numbers of sites it has. Um, uh, I guess it got out and it's being covered, but um, no, it, it's not that unusual. I think Sharp that um, we we see um, you know if there's a deal on the table, you're gonna you're gonna see the uh, the name investor groups uh, kind of circling the wagons here and and uh, and offering bids. But um, um, so yeah, good question. I, I think the data centers have become kind of a
3: darling in the eyes of the, of the big investment companies. So anytime that's that possibility is on the table, I, I think these guys sort of
0: all are alert to that and, and start to throw some money at it. Yeah, I think that's true. We're still waiting to hear. There's some there's some tower deals that are kind of in the offing in Europe still. Um, you know cornerstone in the uk uh is a possibility vantage towers that's owned by vodafone is is predominantly owned by vodafone but it's been gradually making available shares of of that business and um uh, you know so there's there and then in, in asia there's some some tower deals as well so um and to your point jim when when these start to when these come on the market uh you, you see the, the uh, infrastructure investors um, uh, kind of jump in and, and uh, either take a look and or you know, make a bid, but uh, um, it, I think the interest is there to continue to add to their infrastructure portfolios and where, where those opportunities arise, they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna get into play.
1: All right. So the FCC released its updated broadband location maps. Um, they replace what the commission had called a pre-production draft version that was released in last November. They encourage challenges to that version, and it was from consumers, tribes, states, localities, and others. The maps are crucial to identifying high-speed Internet locations and areas that lack broadband Uh, as NTIA prepares to begin distributing millions of dollars in broadband infrastructure deployment grants to state. Actually, I should say billion, sorry, 42.5 billion to be exact. NTIA said, we know states are eager to learn more about their funding and we continue to be on track to announce those allocations by June 30th. NTIA is using the maps to determine uh, where to distribute the fund, start distribute the funding. It's supposed to start by June 30th, but that doesn't mean it's all gonna be happening on June 30th. FCC chairwoman, Jessica Rosemersel said, the new version is more detailed. It identifies more than 114 million locations where fixed broadband can be installed. And that's compared to data from 8.1 million census blocks, which they had before. She said the agency learned a lot from the challenge process and the mapping team reviewed challenges to availability data for 4 million locations. Mapping officials told reporters that uh, the more than 4 million challenges were sent to broadband providers for a response. And as challenges are resolved, the location data is updated every two weeks. So that's a big deal. And who is next? Sharp, sure. you're going to talk to uh, FCC Commissioner Carr had a visit to Murphy Tower this week.
2: Yes, uh, Commissioner Carr is uh, uh, perhaps the, the best commissioner that that the tower industry has, has ever had, or as uh, Todd Schleckaway said yesterday, probably ever will have um he uh he he has uh, such a a heart for uh uh for the tower climbers and i think just for the for no matter what the industry i think he uh he cares about the uh uh the people on the front lines in our case that's uh that's the tower climbers and um I went over to uh, Murphy Tower Service, their headquarters in Carlisle, Iowa uh, last week. And uh, Commissioner Carr found uh, time in a very busy uh, schedule um, uh, on his trip to, uh, uh, to visit the, uh, the tower service company. And uh, um, he climbed a climbed tower, a uh, training tower, with uh, three other trainees and uh, they sat at the top and uh, um, and shared stories for uh, for about a half hour. I don't know, twenty minutes, whatever it was. Uh, and uh, you know, he just zips, zips up and down the uh, the tower. He he's done. He's climbed a lot of towers. So uh, uh, I was there trying to photograph him and trying to uh, cover the event. And uh, I tell you what, it's it's uh, um, I did get a picture of him on the tower, but only because I was fast. Um, during that, uh, visit, he, uh, he, he, uh, presented, uh, uh Angelo Wiggins with a commemorative hard hat, hard hat that says 5G ready on it. Um, he has, uh, um, he gives these hard hats out to, uh, to people that, um, he's uh that have sort of gone above and beyond uh the call of duty in terms of uh of of uh the tower industry and and tower safety uh wiggins was featured in the uh documentary uh by nate uh, called vertical freedom uh which highlights uh, uh six tower climbers uh in various parts of the country and uh uh, uh wiggins moved to uh to iowa from uh from chicago and within five years was uh is became uh, uh in charge of the the uh the trainee uh, the tower climber trading trainee program so uh so yeah he's a he's a real go getter and um uh, if you look at uh if you look at what what, uh, uh, what Carr did in a very short period of time, he, uh, uh, on this trip, he went to, uh, he visited a 988 call center. He, uh, uh, that one was in, uh, in South Dakota. He, um, also visited a, a broadband, uh, build out. He, uh, also visited a, uh, uh a WISP that was, uh, uh, had created a uh, system for uh, for telehealth, and um, joined up with uh, with Senator Thune and uh, Senator Ernst, um, in uh, the western uh, half of uh, part of uh, Iowa to uh, 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 to look at a uh, a fiber build out uh, that was going to homes and schools, and uh, so. So yeah, uh, pretty, uh, pretty impressed with the, uh, with the commissioner and, uh, also as far as, as far as Murphy tower service is concerned, they're, uh, they're definitely a poster child for, uh, for the tower industry. They've got 27 tower crews performing new construction maintenance across 18 States. Uh, and, uh, they they do all, all their training uh, in-house. And uh, so, so, yeah, I'd say a a red-letter day for the tower industry.
1: Yeah, he, he does like to climb. Um, he told me he does keep his climbing uh, boots in his car always in case there's an opportunity to climb. And I remember when he had a rivalry going with his Pai, pie, but, you know, and Pi told me, yeah, see if he's climbing in these. And he's pointing to his suit loafers, you know, car <laughs> has the right shoes." <laughs> so Jim, uh, you're talking about, uh, broadband grants in Missouri, I think.
3: Yes. Well, uh, my native state of Missouri, I'm a native St. Louisan, go Mizzou. Ooh. Um, and, uh, this one caught my eye, uh, from that, that standpoint, but also from the standpoint that uh the state of Missouri is offering twenty million dollars in power grants. This is not just uh nebulous, you know, broadband funds and, and uh which is you know we see see a lot of that, but this one is is definitely earmarked uh for tower grants. So that that uh, definitely uh Probably interest and we certainly at Inside Towers like providing our readers with news they can use. uh, And uh, this uh, this is certainly no exception. Um, The Missouri Cell Tower Grant Program application uh, closes July 25th as far as submissions uh, to apply for this 20 million in funding. Uh, Monies have been made available through the Department of the Treasury, uh, the from a a, a uh, ARPA offshoot. Um, the the official name is the U.S. Department of the Treasury Coronavirus State Fiscal Recovery Fund. So it's it's coming out of that tap. Um, of the $20 million, 17 million will be earmarked for the construction of new towers. Remaining three million to be spent on retrofitting or refurbishing existing towers. And uh, that being noted, the the guidelines also declared that funding can be reassigned to the other category. uh, And if possible, uh, Missouri would like to avoid uh, all the money in one round, uh, I'm sorry, if possible, Missouri would like to award all the money in one round, rather than going through a a series of distributions. so, anyway, to so uh, to be eligible for the funding, the applicant must be a cell tower owner or partner with an entity that is a cell tower owner. And uh, the the goal of this is to serve again, sort of the same as the broadband goals are to serve the underserved. Um, with uh, applicants seeking to provide 4G LTE or better connectivity including 9/11 access to populations with less than 50 people per square mile. Uh, so those who are aiming to build new cell towers can uh, those who are aiming to build new cell towers uh, can request amounts between 100,000 and 750,000. Awards for upgrading existing towers will be limited between 25,000 and 300,000. There is a maximum award of eight million dollars per cycle for each applicant. So there you go, folks. Money on the table out there. If you're uh, up for it, Um, and uh, you can uh, get the details uh, in the article that ran on uh, on Tuesday, and uh, you can get. links to where to go to to find out more.
1: All right, Jim, thank you. So that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. For a complete rundown of all the week's stories, check out our Saturday edition. We'll see you in a week.